0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together.
1: Well, good morning. morning. Good job, Krista. Thanks for saying fartsy. I didn't even have to say it. She said it. It was so great. So good. My name is Wes, the mission pastor here at North. And it's good to be worshiping with you this morning. Just do me a favor, okay? this kind of goes along with the theme of what we're talking about. Just kind of look around the room, look at the other humans in this space, you know, just kind of, yep, there you are. All right, it's, it's a privilege that we get to, uh, as followers of Jesus, worship uh, God together, pray together, uh, have meals together, um, and, and just continue to learn uh, through God's Word. So we'll, we'll continue that this morning. Of course, Jay started a series uh, called "Being the Church" uh, several weeks ago, and it's uh, we're going through the book of Ephesians. And one of the things that struck out to me uh, so far during this series that just kind of sticks with me and give as a, a theme that keeps coming up is there's this this newness that we have uh, when we are in Christ. Something changes. We are. We become something different and that's just been something that's kind of resonated with me uh, of course uh, Paul is writing this letter to Ephesus and um, he is addressing what it means to uh, be the body of Christ what it means to be the church and uh, he's he's writing specifically and, and this this week uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 2:11 through 22 I finish up um, Ephesians 2 this morning and and Paul really hits home uh, something that he wants us to consider uh, today and so we'll we'll flesh that out today uh, but I, I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene. If you're not familiar, the Church of the Nazarene is a, a denomination um, that you know, is, a, is a Christ-following Christian denomination. And I had a great experience. I, I first encountered uh, Jesus in the Church of the Nazarene uh, growing up. Uh, it, it was a great place. I got to experience camps and retreats and discipleship, uh, mission trips, local outreach, lots of growth, and a lot of people that came alongside me and helped me develop my my faith. I got a chance to serve. I got a chance to teach. I got a chance to learn. I got a chance to make mistakes. I got a chance to share the gospel. I uh, got a chance to study God's word and more within uh, the, the, the church of Nazarene. I actually ended up going to a, a Nazarene university. So not only childhood, not only teenage years, but then my college years, I went to Mount Vernon Nazarene University to study a Christian education to be a pastor. And I was reminded as I was thinking about uh, my, my upbringing and, and my faith and, and the, the different things that I experienced, of course I was reminded of college and how impactful that was for me and some of the memories that, that I have in college um, where I made some unwise decisions and I'll just share one of those with you today. So my buddies and I, freshman year, this is free, just by the way, by the way. Uh, this is extra information for you. So my freshman year, my buddies and I decided we are going to prank the Domino's delivery guy as much as we could. So we would do things like it would snow in Ohio and we would make snowballs and we would get the water balloon launcher and we would be on the roof and we'd launch snowballs at him as he would leave his truck and come into the, he's trying to figure out where these snowballs are coming from and we'd giggle and you know one time uh, he left his truck running as he was running inside and so we moved his truck to the other side of campus. (laughs) He wasn't happy about that. yeah, we, we would order food to, like, someone else's dorm room that wasn't there, and they'd show up, and they'd have to just waste their food. I mean, there's dumb stuff. I And mean, to cap it all off, um, we had this courtyard, and if we ordered food, we knew onto this side of the dorm, he would kind of come through the courtyard and walk through this way to go towards that certain room, and there was a, there was a window at the second floor. So we had this great plan. We ordered food... Your pizza to this side of the dorm, and we filled a trash can full of condiments like ketchup, mustard, syrup, milk. We mixed it all up, and whenever he got out of his truck, he's walking towards. We opened up that window and just dumped the entire thing on top of the delivery guy. And uh, then we, of course, then ran and hid in someone's room, locked the door, and giggled uh... just quietly enough to where as he was running around the hallway trying to find someone to hurt for doing that to him uh... we were trying to hide from him. Uh, dominoes did not deliver to our university for a year and a half after that <laughs> incident and i'm pretty sure we had to pay them a fine <clears throat> i should probably apologize to someone about that but that was a freebie for yes. So i was thinking about, about college i figured i should share with you at least one of those uh... stories um... But this, this, growing up at this Church of the Nazarene was a, it was a unique, it was a positive thing for me. Uh, my dad was a Nazarene pastor, my dad's dad was a Nazarene pastor, my mom was you know, the worship director at church, she became a licensed pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. And so a lot of great experiences, and like any church or any denomination, it's not perfect. Nazarene Church was not perfect, um, North Bible Church is not perfect. Uh, the Nazarene churches that I grew up in happened to be very strict, or what I would call uh, legalistic in some ways. And um, so, so, for example, at one point I remember having to, if you wanted to become a member of the church, you had to sign you know, all this stuff you, you believe theologically, but then you had to agree to certain behaviors uh, that you would not participate in, like you weren't allowed to go to movie theaters, you weren't allowed to drink wine, you weren't allowed to smoke a cigar, go dancing, and so on. So they fell in the more uh, narrow perspective in regards to, you know, how you should act and believe. But that was kind of the culture in the Church of Nazarene, at least at that time when I was growing up in the churches that I went to. Now, there's some things that the Church of Nazarene is just different about uh, than other churches or denominations. The Nazarene Church governs itself differently than North Bible Church would govern itself uh, or other churches. Uh, the Nazarene church split, actually, from the Pentecostal church in the early 1900s on the issue of speaking in tongues. Um, and then uh, the Nazarene church ordains women pastors and have senior, uh, women senior pastors at some local churches. Now I'm sure that the theology and the, the way that they thought through this and was, was thoughtful by thoughtful people And, um, you know, there's some things about the Church of Nazarene I disagree with. There's some things about the church that I agree with and some things that I'm kind of indifferent about. I've since then sought my own understanding of Scripture and continue to try and learn and grow. Uh, Seminary was a big part of that, of asking questions and rethinking through a lot of different things. Uh, But as a child, a teenager, and a college student, it was very formative years for me growing up in the Church of Nazarene. So why do I bring this up? Uh, today's passage of verses 11 through 22, Paul is addressing the oneness that we have together in Christ. He challenges the thoughts and the practices of both Jew and Gentile as how they perceive each other in Jesus. And as different as the Church of the Nazarene may be from North Bible Church or Assemblies of God Church or Redemption Church or CCV, it is a far cry of a difference than it was between the jews and the gentiles that paul had in his day and that's who paul is speaking with to in regards to their differences and how they see each other in christ i'm going to pray and then we'll uh, open up the word god thank you uh, that you you are here with us you say that when two or more are gathered your spirit is there with them and you're moving in our midst Uh, whether we um, are following you at this point, or that's not a decision that, that we've made, uh, I, know, I know that you, um, you know every single one of us, and you know that we would be here this morning, and you want to interact and, and be with us along the way. In your name, amen. So our, our passage today is verse 11 through 22, and verse 11 starts with the word, therefore. And so what I was taught is when you see the word, therefore, you're supposed to say, what is that, therefore? So, to give some context to the therefore, we're going to read verse 10. It says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul wrote this letter, along with the Holy Spirit, obviously, to both Gentiles and Jews. So in light of verse 10, stating that we, are people who are in Christ, are God's handiwork created to live as God wants us to live. And then he gives us this message that we're going to look at today, especially something specific he wants to address in the church. So verses 11 through 18. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside his flesh the law with its commands and regulations his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And Paul reminds his audience that Gentiles before they were in Christ were far away and now have a completely new identity as they are now in Christ. Now I either forgot this or I never knew it, but the word Gentile simply means non-Jew. That, that's just an interesting term to me that Jewish people would care so much about their culture and who they are that they have a name for everyone that is not them and then they are Gentiles and even those Gentiles would kind of refer to themselves as Gentiles they would that would be like me referring to myself as a non a non-Jew that it was so distinct and purposeful of the of who these groups were so Gentile non-Jew, very distinct people groups. But Paul is careful here to tell his audience in Ephesus that once someone, even a Gentile, is in Christ, their citizenship changes. Not just spiritually, but also relationally as well. The Jews and the Gentiles were very different from one another. What Paul is teaching here is, is significant and he wants us to to catch this. Paul, Paul is not saying that hey, when, when your good friend that you really enjoy uh, starts following me as, as, as a Christian, you should welcome them as a brother and sister in Christ. That's true, we should do that, but that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is also not saying your coworker who slightly annoys you and you kind of avoid while you're at work, when they become a follower of Jesus, you should, you should see them as a brother and sister in Christ. That's true, we should do that, that's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying here is hey, those people that you deem evil, those people that you see as bad or less valuable or self-righteous or arrogant, and literally not like you in any way, when those people follow me, you should welcome them in as your, your brothers and your sisters in Christ. And also accept them relationally even though you previously would never associate with those people in the past. He's changing, he's flipping everything on them. The differences between the two groups, the Jews and Gentiles are vast and could be seen in what they ate, how they dressed, how they washed, how they worshiped, um, their art, their academics, their language, and social customs. Even their architecture was different. At the center of the Jewish culture was the Hebrew Bible, the writings of the rabbis, and then this very important, extremely important Jewish law in their systems. The Gentiles, or the non-Jews, the Hellenistic people of the world culture, was more of a free-for-all, more of a Greek or Roman mythology, morality, philosophy, and politics. What was going on at that time was that the Greeks and then the Roman non-Jews, therefore the Gentiles, they built ten cities called the Decapolis on this side of of the Sea of Galilee. So you got the Sea of Galilee and you have the Decapolis right, right here. And then you have the other side where God's people, the Jewish people, lived on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The Decapolis would have been seen as unclean. Like not just the people there, but the place. If you, Just going there is bad. Going, just going there makes you unclean. Yet, Jesus, and it's recorded in th- three of the four Gospels, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, guys, let's, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side of the, the lake, and let's teach, let's love, let's share the gospel. Let's go to those Gentiles and spread the word of Jesus. And the, the disciples would have been like, yeah, dude, you're new here, but that's not, it's not something that we do. Like, that's, that's not something that, uh, I mean, I'll go, I'll go, fine, we'll, we'll go. And if you're familiar with the story, Jesus is they're crossing this lake in this boat and this storm comes up and it's basically going to kill everyone and of course Jesus is taken his nap while that's happening. They wake him up and he literally calms the storm. I'm sure the disciples were like, "See, this storm's coming. Uh, that's a sign from God that we should not be going over to the other side where those other people live." But he calms the storm. They go over anyway. Jesus performs miracles. He heals people spreads love of Jesus all around and it begins to spread even over there with those people. Continuing to talk about the differences between the Jews and Gentiles, there was a very distinct difference when it came to circumcision. The Jews believed that you could not be holy unless you were physically circumcised. And Paul addresses this issue here, this practice. He refers to circumcision of the heart or the purifying of the heart accepting christ's forgiveness of your sins and not emphasizing the physical act of circumcision the jews would not easily accept this change in how they were to receive and perceive other people paul even went as far as to call some of these jews false believers because they were not accepting people into God's family relationally until they were physically circumcised. He addresses them in Galatians 2.4 on this matter of circumcision and says, This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Basically, the Jewish people were not accepting these Gentiles into the family of God because they weren't circumcised. And they wanted to make them a slave to their laws and to their regulations. They argued, these people argued, that there was too much freedom in Christ. Basically, they wanted to know that people were going to follow their laws and regulations and look and act and talk like them, rather than paying attention to what was going on inside and who they were in Christ. You know what? One, one time in high school, not one time, many times in high school, I tried to look the part, you know, so acting one way on the inside and kind of making myself per, perceived differently on the outside, so I was really good at sleeping in class without the teacher knowing. So I'd wear my hat, we could wear baseball caps, and I would put it just below the, the teacher's eye line to where she couldn't quite see my eyes, and I'd slouch back and I'd get my pencil up on my paper, and I could just sleep like this for a while, I was really good. So externally, you know, it, it looked like I was uh, taking notes, but I, I wasn't, I was sleeping. One time, actually, um, I was dreaming while I was sleeping uh, that I was kicking a soccer ball into the goal, and I actually did it in real life, and I kicked the desk in front of me, and I blasted my shin on the, and startled the whole class and I was embarrassed and um, yeah, the teacher knew I wasn't wasn't studying at that point but what I did was I tried to make myself on the outside look as if something different was happening on the inside and, and what what the Jews were doing is they were saying if you don't if you don't do all these things look a certain way on the outside appearance then really you, you can't be my brother or sister in Christ They were not caring about the inside. And Paul calls that out in this passage. There was literally a dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles uh, of separation. And what what Paul is talking about here spiritually and relationally is that there should be no separation between people if they are in Christ. Now, verses 19 through 22 say this. And pay attention to the, the metaphor or the imagery that Paul gives us in this, in this uh, few verses here. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which god lives by the spirit this is a radical shift that paul is talking about as he's bringing the jews and gentiles together stating that gentiles are no longer foreigners they're no longer strangers but instead members of the same household again it's worth restating just how different the jews and the gentiles are here they lived in different communities, they spoke different languages, they consumed different entertainment and media, they had different laws. So one of the Jewish laws was that if, if a Jewish person had an ox and their ox gored or like hit another Jewish person, the, the law says there had to be consequences. And if this Jewish person had their ox and the ox actually hurt another Jewish person's ox, they were written in the law, they had to, there were consequences they had to take care of. But also written in the law, if a Jewish person had an ox and that ox hurt a Gentile, there was no consequence. Literally written into the Jewish law was caring more about the Jewish people's animals than there was about these Gentile humans. Jews couldn't eat food that was prepared by the Gentiles. There were no business partnerships between the two. Gentiles automatically were seen as thieves, as gamblers, as dishonest. Gentiles were not even allowed to make statements in a court of law their, their testimony would have been worthless. That's why Paul's examples here in this passage of members of the same household between these Jews and Gentiles in Christ. Not only saying that, but Jews and Gentiles, not only members of the same household, but also both of them together making up the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul is drawing them so much together that, and challenging them to see, not see those differences anymore, but to see them as one in Christ. The temple of the Holy Spirit made up of these Jews and Gentiles in Christ. All dependent on the fact that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Because of who Jesus is and being one with him, everything changes. It's a beautiful thing. Our faith in Jesus doesn't just get us into heaven, even though it does. Our faith in Jesus doesn't just give us the Holy Spirit, even though it does. Our faith in Jesus doesn't just forgive our sins. Our faith in Jesus doesn't just make us a new creation. Our faith in Jesus doesn't just make us brothers and sisters. As amazing as all those things are, our faith in Jesus also makes us literally one. You and me in Christ, we are one. We are one entity. I am one with the guy who's in Christ sitting at the quarter right now sipping a latte at, at uh, press coffee. Literally, God calls us one together. Spiritually and in a perfect world, relationally, we are one. One. And that's why Paul talks so much about unity and peace, especially within the body of Christ. Because when we hurt each other, we are literally hurting ourselves. When we fight, we are fighting ourselves. It is self-harm to not be in unity with other believers. It's It's pretty amazing what happens when we are in Christ together. The power that he gives us through the Holy Spirit, there is no limit. There's no ceiling. We have infinite power together in Christ. And as the chief cornerstone of our identity, Jesus literally makes us up. We are Jesus in a sense that he is our chief cornerstone that makes us one in him. Here's another reason why this is so cool. When it comes to other people... In Jesus, if someone lives in another country, we are one with them. In Jesus, if someone chooses to drive a Lamborghini, we are one with them. In Jesus, if someone is in prison for murdering someone, we are one with them. In Jesus, if someone chooses to vote differently than you, we are one with them. In Jesus, if someone chooses to watch movies or listen to music that you would not consume, we are one with them. In Jesus if someone chooses to attend a Catholic Church a Pentecostal Church or even be taking a break from church for a season because they're not sure where They want to go or or what they want to be a part of we are one with them In Jesus if someone has just gone through a messy divorce. We are one with them in Jesus if someone has just gossiped about you or someone that you love we are one with them And in Jesus, if someone chooses to cheer for the Seattle Seahawks, New York Knicks, or even the Michigan Wolverines, we are one with them, as hard as it is to believe. (laughs) Now that is not to say that there aren't consequences for our choices. It's not to say that sin doesn't exist and that people don't make wrong decisions. But when we are in Christ, the fact still remains, when we are in Christ, we are one with them one way i look at it is this i've i've had a relationship with jesus since i was six like i said i grew up in church nazarene went to a camp i remember you know going down to the altar accepting christ in my heart and ever since that point been trying to grow in my relationship with him but i from the age six to age 20 i became you know i was becoming a different person i thought differently at six than i did at 20. of course at age 20 um, I was still dumping stuff on people's heads. And so um, I've grown since then. I'm no longer dumping stuff on the Domino's Delivery guy. But age 30, I was different than when I was 20. And even just two years ago when I was 40, I'm different than when I was two years ago when I was 40. God allows me to change and grow, to doubt and believe, to struggle and thrive, to sin and forgive, to get hurt and to hurt others to be encouraged and to encourage others. As I am in Christ, my life is dynamic and it's changing, and so is the other people who are in Christ. I look back at my 20-year-old self and I'm like, oh my goodness, I was so cocky, judgmental, and immature. I loved Jesus, but I was still those things. And I can also see, look at myself when I was 20, I can see my relationship with God brought joy, growth, spiritual gifts, and love. I'm different today than when I was 20, and in 20 years from now, I'm gonna be different than I am today. And then relationally, in Christ, we are to treat everyone the same, giving them the dignity that God gave them in the image of himself. Look at how Jesus interacted with believers, with non-believers, with Jews and with Gentiles. Look how Jesus spoke about those people. Look at the fact that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God the Father sent His one and only Son to die for the world. Everyone has access to Jesus and His salvation if they choose to follow Him. So I believe what Paul is challenging the Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus and what he is challenging us today is to consider how, how do we, how do we um, perceive other people, especially other believers are there some people that you may maybe struggle to see yourself as one with them maybe it's a family member maybe it's someone here in this local church maybe it's some friends that you have maybe it's some people that you do not like maybe it's some people that you hear about but if they are one in Christ they are one with you if you are in Christ and that's what Paul is challenging us to consider. That those, those people that we may struggle to want to interact with, want to be with, want to even consider thinking about them, praying for them, that we, are, we could be one with them in Christ. And that's what Paul wants us to consider. I'm gonna, we're going to worship, and I'll come back and give you one more encouraging word here. God, I just thank you that we get to uh, be a part of what you're doing. Uh, we get to participate with all of our differences, with all of our the things that make, separate us from other people. Uh, in Christ, in your spirit, we get to be one and interact with you and serve you. We give you all these things this morning in your name. Amen.
0: In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor.
1: So we have prayer partners over here. If you'd like to be prayed for, prayed over, bring your requests to them or you can record them Uh, on your way out and we'll be starting to pray for those Tuesday morning send them out to our prayer team and our elders Um, I don't know about you but I was convicted as I was preparing for this this message that there's frankly some people that I really don't want to consider them as one with me you know I'm on social media Um, there's some people that I struggle to want to pray for to give them the benefit of the doubt to to want to interact with them and so I was convicted to reach out to at least one of those people this week and try to start a dialogue maybe try to understand a little bit of where they're coming from um, because we can be vastly different from one another just as the Jews and Gentiles were and yet at the same time the beautiful part of that is we can be one in Christ and we should treat people that way and I, my I'm hoping and praying that there's someone that has come to mind that you can then pursue. Some way, maybe it's just a perspective change, maybe it's praying for them, maybe you interact with them, I'm not, not sure what the Lord wants to do with that. But just let that do what that does, consider what Paul is talking about here. We started off in verse 10 that it said, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's go and do just that in the name of Jesus. your name, see you guys.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.